I just want to start by saying that uh, the reason why um, uh, why Miriam and I almost collapsed with the table was not because of your speech, which I <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, uh, well, uh, thank, thanks a lot. Um, uh, uh, my uh, paper is called Fear of, of Tahrir, uh, Turkey and the Egyptian Revolution, but I think Corinna had a much better subtitle. Uh, uh, she suggested Turkey as a counter-revolutionary force with a question mark, and I think that's uh, what I will also um, be talking about. Now, two years ago, I uh, organized a conference at St. Anthony's, actually, on Turkey's foreign policy, um, and this conference uh, happened in the summer of 2010, uh, really at the pinnacle of uh, Turkey's symbolic power in the region. Um, this, is, this was a time when the Arab uprisings were not yet in sight, when Turkey appeared as an assertive and independent player in the region, particularly uh, over Palestine, and when it had not yet realigned itself fully with the US over Syria and other um, uh, Middle Eastern policies. Now, Reem, of course, was part of this uh, conference, and she explored the question how Arabs see Turkey and Turkey's foreign policy. Asking whether Turkey is a new emerging middle power in the region, her conclusion was that, and I quote her, uh, Arab approaches to Turkey range between engagement and enthusiasm, but this remains cautious and even conditional, particularly where Turkey's fluctuating policy on Israel is concerned. Well put, one can say with hindsight. So two years and a few revolutions later, I'm now responding to this um, paper by reading with a paper on how Turks see the Egyptian revolution, and probably even more importantly, as I've started writing the paper, how the Arab revolutions have changed and revolutionized Turks' perceptions of themselves, their place in the world, and their relations with their neighbors. I should say that this is a first exploration of the issue, um, and um, so uh, the empirical basis of it is not yet as developed, um, but I, I definitely would like to continue working on it. Now, my, uh, what I'll try to do in this uh, presentation is I'll, I'll try to look at three interlinked uh, themes, really. First, I'll explore some of the foundations of really political national identity in modern Turkey, uh, which until the Arab revolutions really uh, were based on the notion that Arabs were the ultimate civilizational other through which one would uh, identify as Turk. Secondly, I'll have to give you, unfortunately, a synoptic overview of the main political families that matter in Turkey, because otherwise it's impossible to kind of uh, make sense of the debates uh, as they go on, and how these uh, families have responded differently to the revolution and its aftermath, and, and also how they've changed uh, in this interaction. And then finally, I'll conclude with a focus on the current Turkish, Turkey's, Turkish government's uh, policy towards the Arab revolutions and its engagement with Egypt. And I mean, I can already say that this started off as a rather amorphous regional policy, you know, made up as events unfolded, but it has taken on a rather strong pro-Ihwanist uh, policy in Egypt, and even more so in Syria. And it seems that in both cases, this seems to be in agreement with US policy in the re region. And in many ways, Turkey uh, has taken over the role model, I think, of the best neoliberal kit uh, on the block, which uh, Adam Haniye reminded us of uh, yesterday uh, in his discussion of how, how Egypt was like the model to be followed um, for uh, neoliberal reform. So let me start with my first point, 
on the cultural foundations and political uh, of political identities in modern Turkey, really. Modern Turkey emerged in the early 20th century as an ethno-nationalist secular uh, project of state building, and its founding ideology, Kemalism, included anti-Arab myths and fantasies. Above all, of course, the step in the back legend of World War I, the Arabs uh, worked against us um, and, and stabbed us in the back. Um, the anti-Ottoman and anti-Islamic self-definition of the early Turkish Republic, the cultural imagination that basically saw Asiatic and Middle Eastern identities as culturally inferior and hence wanted to align Turkish national identity with Europe. And finally, also the idea that Arabs somehow deserved to be colonized by the Europeans because they were not strong enough to stand up to them. So a thinly disguised hint of imperialist superiority which is very widespread in, uh, in, in, in the substratum of Turkish national identity. Now, in this Kemalist imaginary of the founding years, many key Ottoman and Islamic cultural and religious markers of identity, forms of hijab, religious attire, um, public celebration of religious festivals, but even the very uh, alphabet with which people were writing, i.e. the Ottoman Arabic script, were first devalued as culturally backward and then ethnicized as Arabic. And this, I think, explains a lot of the de debates, cultural debates, which we've seen in the last year. Um, and uh, the prevalence of these uh, misperceptions or these lies, these fantasies, really is quite significant, particularly within the political family that founded the Turkish Republic, the Kemalists of the Republican People's Party. Um, However, now what we've seen in the last decade or so is, of course, the erosion of Kemalism as Turkey's state ideology, and of course, uh, with the Justice and Development Party's uh, uh, takeover and uh, march to hegemony, we can say, uh, and its pan-Islamic and hence less ethno-racist worldview, uh, these perceptions really have to begun to have begun to lose their uh, their grip on society, um, and I think. This also happened together with the loss of power of the Praetorian parliamentary regime, which of course Turkey has had for quite a long while, uh, and as Alex reminded us of today. Um, and, but as in many Western European countries, it actually needed a series of revolutions for Turks to move beyond the foundational ideologies of the 1920s. Now, if before, uh, 2011 really political debate in Turkey abounded with openly condescending statements against Arabs literally everywhere outside the Islamist uh, groups and the left-wing liberal uh, groups. Uh, this really changed uh, in, in, in the year after the revolution. Um, uh, before 2011, Islamists would often be equated with Arabs and that would, of course, be equated with being not proper Turks, not being kind of good nationalists and all that. Um, now, this is almost uh, impossible these days. Now, what I will do secondly, I'll give you a bit of, I mean, I'm sure Paul Amar would, if he was here, would probably be shocked to see uh, that this kind of, um, oh, I forgot this one, anyway. Uh, of, of this kind of very structuralist overview of uh, Turkish politics. I don't know whether is this readable. Um, I won't talk about all of this, but um, basically uh, I'm, I'm using here the term political families as a heuristic device because not all of these are uh, political parties. Some of them are more like political um, uh, traditions, but uh, um, the general picture, of course, of Turkish politics is that it's very uh, fragmented, it's very polarized. Um, 
and of course it's very heavy on the governing party, which is the green one, which I call Islam is neoliberal, that's of course the Justice and Development Party, which you all know. And um, this is um, the, the, the ruling party, it stands in the tradition of uh, the Turkish equivalent of the Hwang Muslimin, it's an Islamist party, but it has made a neoliberal um, uh, uh, turn uh, in the late 1990s, and um, it, it, it is basically um, economically completely neoliberal, uh, socially conservative, but what is important and what is, uh, distinguishes it from other Islamist movements in the region is that it is solidly Ottomanist and believes in some form of mediated Ottoman Turkish superiority within a larger Islamic uh, world. Now, but you also see that it has the strongest voter potential with uh, almost, at the moment, almost 50%. Um, and unlike the Kemalists, which I mentioned, of course, this is an Islamist movement. So, um, you know, and most Arabs are is, uh, Muslim as well. That's why it's very hard to have a racialist understanding of, um, of uh, uh, or a racialist perspective on, on Arabs. That's why uh, the Islamists have always been seen, and they have in fact been a bit, uh, I mean, certainly less racist than the others. And but there's also a sense of sympathy uh, of common, um, a common destiny with, uh, with the Arabs through the, uh, through, with, with Arabs through the bind of Islam. Um, now, and of course, in terms of uh, ideological framework, uh, it is the same ideological framework from which the Muslim Brotherhood has uh, sprung. So there's an important kind of common framework of reference. Um, and when you, of course, um, uh, compare that with the Kemalists, which are, in a way, are the, is the party of the old ruling elites, which is a secularist, nationalist, uh, uh, state-building party. It is historically anti-Arab um, because its founding ideology really sees the Arabs as the cultural others. They are now at around 20 to 25%, but it's the most important uh, opposition party and hence quite important. There are other uh, groups like the extreme nationalists, they don't count so much because they do not engage uh, with, with the world around Turkey. Um, but uh, there is uh, the Kurdish movement, uh, I won't go into them, but the, uh, the, the, the liberals, which are interesting not because they represent uh, larger parts of society, but because they're important in the public debates and the political debates and so on. Um, now, um, here I'll, I'll briefly want to talk about the kind of interaction which has, uh, which has really uh, taken place. And of course, when we look at the AKP column there, the green one, we see a massive range of activities by government agencies and <coughs> NGOs close to the party. There's training of activists of Tahrir youth. I mean, there have been like dozens of uh, young people from Egypt shipped into Turkey in part by, uh, partly by in, in the plane of the uh, president to be, um, to be trained in democracy. So this sounds a bit like from, for democracy activists in Turkey, like a bad joke. But, um, uh, but at the same time, there's a massive range of conferences. There's an Arab-Turkish Congress of Social Sciences based in Egypt. Uh, the Turkish uh, uh, think tank SETA now has even an Arabic version which comes out in Egypt uh, in its Cairo office and so on. So there's a lot of going on. And when you look at Prime Minister Erdogan's worldview, in a way, uh, you can see it here in this, in, in, in this, in this quote. 
It's very clear, believe me, Sarajevo won, this is after the election victory in 2011, believe me, Sarajevo won today as much as Istanbul, Damascus, uh, Ankara, Ramallah, Nablus, Jenin, West Bank, Jerusalem, the Arab. Unfortunately, we didn't mention Cairo, but it's quite clear that the Arab world features uh, prominently here, but part, as part of a larger Ottoman kind of imagined space. Um, at the same time, when you look at the red uh, column with the, uh, with the secularists and the CHP, there is a, um, well, there, 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 there's a variety. Um, there's, for instance, one quote here from an uh, MP of that party, which reminds us of, of the, the historical kind of background which I gave you. A Turkish woman, I mean, this is a debate about the hijab, whether hijab should be allowed in uh, public offices and so on and her statement that a Turkish woman should not dress like an Arab woman, because of course the hijab is an Arab thing. Um, and uh, I mean, uh, you know, you see how like everything which is considered culturally aligned there is, is subsumed under this epithet. But at the same time, you also see uh, that this party managed to organize a big uh, uh, conference in uh, this, this April on the Arab Spring, and the leader of the party uh, announcing that we will walk together with the Arab people on the path to the rule of law and justice and secularism. I mean, secularism is, of course, the you know the important uh, element there. Um, there's also uh, how many minutes? Oh, great. Uh, in which case, I skip the very exciting dilemmas and distortions, which are yellow here. But no, well, maybe yeah, okay. One more minute. Then. Uh, <laughs> It's quite interesting how you see that, of course, all actors in the Turkish political scene see, read everything what happens in, uh, in Egypt through their own political lens. It's the same uh, event, uh, event the, when uh, the big Friday, demo, uh, the Friday prayers uh, took off in Egypt. The, the secularists were just appalled, and they thought, oh, you know, what is this? Like, this is not, this is like Islamist movement, and this is terrible, and we're all against it. And funnily enough, enough, the Islamists of the AKP saw it exactly in the same way, just from the other way. They said, wow, this is the uprising of the Ummah. You know, this is the, <laughs> this is the, the revolution, and, and all that. Um, now, which brings me to my third point about uh, the government's uh, policy in the Arab revolutions and its engagement with Egypt and the question, why is the Arab world important for Turkey and why is the AKP fearful of Tahrir? Um, um, and especially when you think that, uh, or remember that the response to the uprisings in Libya, Egypt and Syria were so different and determined actually by the extent to which Turkey has been uh, economically and politically involved in those countries. Uh, in Egypt, the first response of the Turkish government to the unfolding revolution came very late for us. It was only on the 1st of February. It was televised by Al Jazeera live with big fanfare, which is interesting also. Um, uh, and it happened at a time when the government had basically its mind up and was thinking that it's not going to risk too much. Um, but what I find um, most important or interesting to explore is another event, that of Prime Minister Erdogan's Arab Spring tour in September last year, uh, which I think was really a turning point after which the status quo character of Turkey's position and also its new role in the region became apparent. In a speech in Cairo during his visit, which you probably all know, um, he suggested that uh, Egypt should become a secular country in which the state has equi equidistance to all religions, while at the same time opening up for democratic reform. Now, after this point, uh, 
it was actually clear that the statement uh, caused, uh, it had caused widespread irritation and also some annoyance with, uh, with the Brotherhood. But it was about all a nod to the US, that, the, that Turkey was now happy to be the role model, which was basically the role of, of Egypt before. And based on this observation on the AKP's Foreign Policy Act's universal support for political movements close to the Muslim Brotherhood, whether in Syria, Egypt, or Libya, I think it would be fair to say that Turkey's foreign policy strategy is now really to attract the Ikhwanist movements in the region to its own brand of a neoliberal, neo-Islamist kind of reading. And um, so I, I'd just like to emphasize, however, that this is all happening on a very clear premise. Um, after almost a decade of what Jihan Tugal has called the passive uh, revolution, which has dethroned the once powerful military and secular nationalists, the AKP has become also a status quo power whose primary aim it is to ensure stability in the region through controllable Islamist movements with which it shares an ideological frame of reference, if not the same modes of politics. And now to conclude, um, basically three points um, on how the Turkish government uh, leveraged the Egyptian revolution and how it was affected by it. First, the Egyptian revolution gave the neo-Islamists of the AKP the possibility uh, to brand itself with US help as democratic, neoliberal, uh, and Islamic, and a paternalistic model for the Arab revolutions at a time, and I think that's important, when its hegemonic <coughs> project is objectively sliding into authoritarianism and neo-patrimonialism, um, and betraying the very hopes uh, it's been, uh, it has raised in the first uh, periods of its government. So you could say a double whammy of authoritarian politics in a way. Secondly, it forced especially the secularists and non-Islamists to face the racialist foundations of their national identity, to recognize their internalized anti-Arab sentiments, and to reconsider their relations with the cultural and political world to their east. And from the perspective of someone uh, like me, who's been studying constructions of Turkish national identity for a while, seeing Turks emancipating themselves from the cultural dead end of anti-Arabism is indeed a profound transformation. And I think it's one of the revolutionary moments that has started in Tahrir. And finally, let me end with the fear which I've mentioned in the title. If there is just, if there's one thing which the current AKP government fears, it is the call for social justice, one of the battle cries, of course, of the Republic of Tahrir. Thanks to rapid economic growth, the AKP government has been able to deliver better services and more goods to almost everybody in Turkey. Uh, and it's often growing, growing income disparities through charity work and private initiative. Now, as the European crisis is, of course, being felt in Turkey uh, more and more, the margin for redistributive policies gets ever smaller. So one does not need to be a fortune teller to predict that it will not be able to deliver the same, in the same way in a very short period of time. And this is, I think, the basis of the fear of the demands of Tahrir. So the Egyptian revolution really has had a massive impact on Turkey's place on the global mental maps of its citizens, but also on the political space of its government. So I'm looking forward to the continuation to our discussion with Reem, and maybe a paper with the title, and how much, sorry, how much should you uh, worry when you are celebrated as the pro-American model in the Middle East? Thank you very much. <laughs>